Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, Simonith Brar is a doctor at Calgary's Foothills Medical Center. Like many doctors, she has noticed a spike in the number of birth tourists arriving out west. But because the data isn't routinely collected by hospitals, it's been impossible to understand the real scope of the issue. Now, we certainly know how pronounced the situation had uh, become in Metro Vancouver and communities like Richmond, Vancouver, Surrey, and Burnaby, especially pre-COVID. Well, last year, Dr. Brar was part of a research team that conducted the country's first in-depth study on birth tourism in Alberta. And this year, for the first time, the Society of Obstetrics, sorry, Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists of Canada is forming a working group to study its impact countrywide. Uh, Dr. Brar, as I said, is based at Calgary's Foothills Medical Center and is also as a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Calgary. Dr. Brar, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. What motivated this study on your part and your colleagues' part? So we had noticed um, in Calgary's own over the last 10 or so years uh, and a little bit longer that uh, the numbers of people that were um, arriving in Calgary with no... Um, fixed address and no Alberta health care and just really solely to give birth and go home was increasing. Uh, And we didn't really have a lot of specific information about who was coming and why and no real organization around um, the process because it's very difficult and confusing, I think, for care providers when these patients come in. So we elected to um, create a process and start doing some investigation and get some uh, information. And what did your uh, study uh, ultimately come up with? So what it has ultimately um, come up with is that certainly there is an impact of birth tourism on the healthcare system that is here in Calgary. And I think that is, um, we were able to sort of find some discrete numbers, which is different um, than articles, reports written before where there was no discrete data. So there is definitely a financial uh, impact. We also have found out that there is a resource impact. And I think that was another piece that led us to look at this to begin with. You know, we are already a very strapped healthcare system. We hadn't, you know, you can speak to any healthcare provider. We will tell you that uh, for quite some time. And, you know, the pandemic in the last few years has made it worse. So we knew that there was a resource impact, which was confirmed with this study. We also were able to better understand this population. So I think understanding that birth tourist is not one umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. And so understanding that there are nuances within this population and that not everybody that comes here without Alberta health care falls under that definition of a birth tourist. So uh, in regards to those that are coming, um, do you know why this is being caused? Is it a question of just, this is post-COVID now and we're returning back to pre-COVID norms, is more information now available to some of these individuals? So I think the numbers that we're seeing now, um, which are not reflected in the paper, but the numbers that we're seeing now are probably just a return back to what we would call normal life, right? Post-COVID and everybody um, kind of pursuing their interests as they did before. 
uh, pre-COVID, most of the women who were coming here particularly uh, had family or friends here. Uh, some wanted to just visit Bath area. Uh, and the vast majority had said the reason we are coming to Canada, why we have picked Canada, is because we want Canadian citizenship. Uh, and those that are coming, and maybe be a little different in regards to demographics for Alberta compared to British Columbia, uh, here in Vancouver pre-COVID, um, it wasn't just limited to China, but there was a significant amount of birth tourism coming from China. How, how is it in Alberta? So we have, um, in our research project, we have a little table that goes through um, all of the, the major um, countries that people came from. Uh, in our zone, the, most, um, the highest population was from Nigeria, and then shortly followed after by um, people from the Middle East, China, India. Um, so I think probably very similar to other parts of, of Canada. Um, when uh, tourists do come to Canada... What are their health needs prior to uh, arriving at the hospital? I guess there would be a system set up to take care of them. So in terms of their health needs prior to coming, what we have noticed is that um, there is a lack of awareness of the potential risk inherent to pregnancy and also a lack of awareness of the potential risk of traveling in pregnancy and particularly towards the end of pregnancy. Um, So... You know, many of these women, most of these women had extensive care at home um, where they lived. And sometimes, sometimes they come with prenatal records, sometimes they don't. But there's sort of this kind of obliviousness to what the implication is to travel later in pregnancy. And many women travel late in pregnancy because they don't want to incur the fees of having to stay for long periods of time. Um, And there's no real system then uh, to sort of capture these women as they arrive. Right? So there's no way at the airport to say, oh, I see you need health care. This is where we're going to direct you. And we do know that you know, access to care and where to go can be convoluted even for Canadians. Right? It's hard to find a family doctor. Um, you know, people, our emergency rooms are over, overloaded. So many times women come and they are you know, roaming through the city trying to find out where to go to access care, which results in an, an inadvertent additional delay. Uh, how many people did you study roughly? So in this study, there was 102 people, which didn't reflect the entire population of people that passed through our central triage during that period of time. But this was the 102 that we had the most cohesive data on. And uh, any idea what the cost was to the, the Alberta public system? So the, we've got, we, we sort of divided the cost in terms of unpaid AHS invoices um, with no payments and then unpaid AHS invoices that are partially paid. Um, and then we divided the physician cost separate. So we do have, um, I think it was totaling over, I'm just going to do a quick count here. I think we were about 500000 about half a million for unpaid AHS invoices with no payments, and then just just under that for um, uh, invoices that were partially paid. So five hundred thousand in regards to just people coming or having their children and not paying the system. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, and I think an interesting piece to, and that's a small number, right? Over a small period of time, Calgary's not a massive city. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are only the people that we could capture because there's always people <laughs> that, that sort of evade um, the system and, and we're not always able to capture them. But w- one thing that was really highlighted to us is that it's not just about the number and the money. And I think we're having some of these harder conversations now in terms of looking at how do you quantify resource allocation, right? So we have this cost, this sort of number of money that is owed to AHS, but it doesn't reflect the labor use, right? So the, that nurse was diverted. Um, a patient may have been diverted from that bed because somebody was in that bed. The cost to the system of diverting that person uh, if that was required. The, the cost of limited obstetrical and anesthesia, availability, right? Yeah. And so those, you know, that's, that's a really interesting piece that I think we're starting to notice more now. You know, I, I think, and this is important to distinguish, I certainly, you know, I think we have to be cautious in our discussion here. In this mm-hmm. particular discussion, we're talking about people who come from overseas, all, all parts of the world. But we do have a similar question now that we're facing as we look at, you know, pay for service even within Canada. So even Canadian residents, right? It's not just about the payment. We have limited resources. So how do we then allocate that? equally and fairly and making, you know, making sure that our disadvantaged population isn't becoming more disadvantaged because they cannot pay for those resources. It's uh, a really tough question. Yeah, it is. And, and some nations have taken, have, have had the same sort of um, rules and regulations and, and philosophy of Canada, which is the Latin term just soli, of the soil, that if you're born here, you get automatic Canadian citizenship. Yeah. Many have said that we should perhaps walk that back. Uh, I think Australia is a nation... Uh, some have pointed to in regards to following their directions. Others have said, you know, these people come on a tourist visa in many cases, not all cases, many cases, that the very idea of having a child in Canada on a tourist visa means they aren't living up to the spirit of the visa. Then we should make that birth or that child shouldn't be given automatic Canadian citizenship uh, because the, the mother has arrived on a on a, uh, a tourist visa, and that be maybe one way to get around the issue. Um, I, I guess this is a broader national conversation, ultimately, because what you're seeing is interesting uh, in regards to Alberta's context. BC is very similar as well. Ontario seeing it. The U.S. and many states have seen it as well. This is an ongoing issue, I guess, that we, we, we have to find a solution somehow to the, the core issue. This is an ongoing issue, and, and I think what we've shown is that it's not getting better on its own, right? And I think, you know, what we were all afraid of um, as healthcare workers, knowing how close we were to operating on the edge of a system that was, you know, quite fractured, is you put additional strain on it. Um, It doesn't require much to have it break completely, which I think is what we've seen over the last few years. The point of the tourist visa is really interesting. In our data, we saw that everybody had come in (laughs) via tourist visa. Um, And, you know, I think we, as, as Canadians, we all would recognize that a fundamental Canadian value is that, hey, we, you know, we're kind, we're nice. If we could provide service and take care of everybody, I think many of us would. But um, resource allocation is a real issue. It's a real issue. And we are certainly struggling with it now. And these are, like you said, really tough discussions. But what we have learned is we need to start having them because this is not getting, it's not going away. Dr. Brar, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Enjoyed our conversation. Look forward to chatting with you in the future. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you again.